Hello and welcome to the Learn, Grow, Succeed podcast. I'm Alex Dinage, and uh, as you probably noticed if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I am not Tom, uh, regular host. He's unavailable today, but we'll be back next time around. So um, what I'll do is I'll continue to try and do my best impression of him until then. Um, now, as you've pressed play on this episode today, you might not know, but it is a very, very special episode as we do have a special guest. However, to bring her usual fantastic insight, intelligence and all-important familiarity uh, to the setup of the pod and to proceedings today, I'm joined by Natasha. Hello, Natasha is here too. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> now, I hope you're as excited as I am because, as I mentioned, we do have a guest um, we've had guests previously on this podcast, and I think it is something that we're going to look to do more of now, but it's something that, yeah, we haven't done it for a little while now, but we have saved it for a special occasion today, because as you'd have read in the title, as you've clicked on this on whatever streaming platform uh, you prefer, we're talking about building high-performing teams and how to take the people that make up your teams and turn them into the greatest collective that they can be to achieve yeah, individual, collective and business success. Um, so obviously we could talk about that. However, we do have a high-performing teams professional with us today, a highly valued member of the Excel training team too, who's going to talk to us all about his high-performing teams philosophy, approach, and the sessions that he runs themselves. Joe Espana. Hello, everyone. Joe Espana speaking. Right, so before we get stuck into the good stuff, I did make a note in my notes today to say to pause to play out the jingle. So let's do that, shall we? There we go. That's the jingle. Did not forget. Perfect. Um, so I'm going to start with, Joe, an enormous question and... Uh, I almost feel bad because this is such a huge question in terms of what the potential answers could be because I'm sure there's so much that you could talk about here. Um, but we're talking about how to create high-performing teams, how to bring the best out of the people in your teams. Um, but I want to ask you about high-performing teams. What is your approach and what are the sessions? Okay, I'll give you the technical answer and then give you the sort of the what people experience. Um, a high-performing team, the difference between a high-performing team and just a really, really good team is one that achieves strategic speed in relation to the business strategy. Now, what is strategic speed? Strategic speed is basically reducing time to value and building value over time. So that means they're basically, in, in layman's terms, knocking the ball completely out of the park way beyond the nearest competitor because they've got the the engine of, of this team working together finely tuned and well oiled so all the cogs are working really well together and they operate now they're operating at a high level uh, if I just follow the, the car analogy for a minute, firing an off all six cylinders because they're not only worrying about the how they work with each other. They also think about how what processes they have in place that make them work effectively. And they also fit within a wider system of the, the, 
the rest of the organization, the other departments, functions they have to operate with. So they've got these three spinning plates that they're finely tuned and, and it's all working amazingly smoothly and efficiently and effectively. Wonderful. And yeah, as I say, I know starting off with a, an enormous question there, but uh, I, I'm interested because obviously we we know at Excel obviously a lot about the uh, the session itself um, and it's explained as being kind of not your traditional team building experience. Um, how would you explain that part? Yeah, um, the way I like to think about it is usually the team leader will go, we've got an opportunity here to um, finesse, make something that doesn't feel or, or we've got some data that doesn't work as, as I'd like it to. We want to reach our optimum operating level. And so the coming together of the team, they need a reference point. They need to have some sort of point, a reference point in relation to what are we talking about? What is a high performance team? What might be some of its characteristics, et cetera, et cetera. But apart from that, the experience is let's dig into this subject together. Everybody's views are welcome and their perspectives are welcome. Let's problem solve together. So what do we want to do about it? And let's all agree together. What are you going to do back at work? So it's all driven by the team for the team and the team runs it, basically. Mm. And one thing I'm curious about is that when uh, when you go into those sessions, obviously, there's so many ways in which you could approach that because there's so many factors, isn't there, when it comes to team working and the individuals within a team. How do you help create that environment where, like you say, they are running the session, that they are airing everything that they need to air? How do you create that? so that you can get the most out of these sessions? Well, there are lots of things that somebody who's facilitating this could do. And, you know, some of the traditional ones is about asking the team right up at the upfront, how, how do you want to run this conversation today? Or, you know, have a long way together for. But a really good starting point is to have some data as well. So the thing is, the thing about data about the team based on some kind of model is that, they, they can look at the data and go, here's how we stack up against these criteria. But, but it's not 100% essential. So if I give you an, an example of one of the ways that I might broach the subject is I say to them, and I've got a little deck of cards, and I just hand out the deck of cards. Everybody gets a deck of cards. And I say to them, ideally, how would you like to feel as a consequence of us being together. And people usually go very sort of positive and go, you know, I want to be energized, I want to be inspired, I want to sort of um, have a great time, I want to have some fun. So that creates an atmosphere of willingness to talk about how we feel about things straight away. And it's um, non-challenging because it's about talking about uh, not the subject of the, of the session, but about just how you'd like to experience the session. And that just warms things up. And then after that, you can get cracking on. OK, so what are we talking about? Here's a definition. Just intuitively, how do you, how do you think you stack up again as a team? How do you stack up? And different people have different opinions and we we share our different perspectives and we try to understand, get underneath the surface of um, what what. Uh, what are they thinking about that leads them to the conclusions that they reach around their perspective? And that's 
really informative for everybody and it's you know sometimes they agree sometimes they overlap sometimes they don't agree but you've got to get all that out on the table so it just starts generating the conversation and that's that's the way to get things going really i find mm. and then in your role as the facilitator how then do you find because there's there's so many ways in which that can go those conversations um what then becomes your role and responsibility in, in directing that towards outcomes the number one role and responsibility is as a facilitator as opposed to specifically training something you know where you're imparting information and you're upskilling knowledge and, and that kind of thing the difference for me is holding the space so you're trying to create an atmosphere where there are no stupid questions there may be stupid answers from me but but there are no stupid questions whatever you're thinking or feeling that's absolutely legitimate uh it's okay so i mean the phrase that's used now is psychological safety but you're trying to create that atmosphere where anything's okay let's just talk about it let's understand it let's 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 uh, have a rich conversation about our different perspectives and, and similarities as well so that's my role is holding the space making people feel as comfortable as i can now that doesn't happen all the way through and there are highs and there are lows and there may be highs again as you go through so it's a bit it, for some people it is a roller coaster and that's mm. fine and that's okay well and and on this episode we have someone that has ro road that I, I that's bad english isn't it ridden <laughs> ridden the roller coaster rode the roller coaster. i mean that's that's shocking what what is i don't know what what the right word is someone that has experienced the roller coaster uh <laughs> natasha um, i mean it'd be interesting to hear obviously you speak to your experience obviously as, as joe is saying as a facilitator but as a participant too um how did you experience that roller coaster I think it being a roller coaster is is a good explanation of of kind of how it goes. Certainly, how it went for us in the room it, during those couple of days. Um, it's really interesting to to go through those processes that that Joe was taking us through, and you know, thinking about these questions and 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 how we wanted to move forward. I think because we were already a team that worked well together, there is that perception of some of those questions or some of those discussions will be easy because we'll be able to come to a conclusion or get to an outcome and you know we'll work really easily together fantastic bing bang boom um how it actually went was you know kind of delving into some of those topics in a bit more depth you you start to see just how different people's approaches are and the outcome of that is not for people to necessarily change their minds or come to the same conclusion or for everyone to agree but it's about actually we started to understand each other a lot better because we didn't just hear different perspectives or hear opinions that we didn't know someone had but we also got to understand well okay what's what's your thought process behind that so how have you come to that conclusion um which is a really interesting experience to have when you sort of come into something thinking that with at least one or two other people in the room, you're kind of all on the same page with certain things and then finding you've got 
five completely different opinions and then talking that through. So it did become something of a roller coaster because, oh, these conversations are really easy and we're having a lot of fun and there is a lot of energy. And then you go into stuff that you've got to really delve into and really start to pick apart. And that can be a very different experience. But but overall, it was a really, really fascinating time. I think I think we all agreed on that at the end. It was really worthwhile to have those conversations. And that that's obviously in terms of the session that, that we had. And it's really interesting hearing Natasha speak about, you know, obviously the, the different levels of thinking that you almost have to engage into. Um, I mean, as a as a facilitator, Joe, like if if it, that can be quite difficult for participants to do sometimes, I imagine, and maybe even fairly uncomfortable to touch into certain topics. I mean, how do you how do you approach that if maybe it's a bit of a struggle for some people? Well, as I say, I, I rely heavily on trying to create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable, but it's not, you're not always successful because it all depends on the individual and you know how they respond to things. What I find really interesting and it's very very typical is when the subject is very cognitive, it's like you know a task or it's a a thing you can wrap your hands around. It's the conversation flows fairly quickly. As soon as you ask a feeling question now you're into different territory and mm. some people happy to go there and you know um, willing to sort of express deeply held feelings about stuff others just do not want to go there and that's okay and i think that is um i mean obviously for a facilitator who doesn't know the team really really well that's just curious and interesting and you know, you, you go with it and you sort of try to uh, create even more comfort for that individual so that if at that moment in time they, they don't necessarily want to participate in that piece of the conversation, hopefully they'll want to participate in another piece of the conversation where they feel a bit more comfortable. But I think one of my observations around teams when this kind of thing, the roller coaster is obviously there in the room, is that I think it's really insightful at another level for team members because you know we always work on the basis of well I, I i've known you for five years so therefore i know what you're like and how you think and i love um um natasha's uh description of the thinking behind the thinking is one of the things i sort of look for is what's the origin of that idea you know what what were the set of ideas or whatever that led you to that conclusion or that particular perspective because that's where the richness lies and so some people just don't want to go there. And for some team members, that's a bit surprising. Or they kind of go, oh, yeah, well, that's Joe. You know, that's they, they're always like that. So, you know, just go with it kind of thing. But I, but I, I, I don't think it's helpful to for the for the overall good of the team and the overall objective of why we're spending any time and effort in this kind of subject area to sweep stuff under the carpet all of the time. Uh, you've got to facilitate gently to enable comfort to come to the surface and for people to go, okay, right, let me tell you what I'm really thinking about X or or I don't want to talk about that right now. And you go, okay, well, we don't talk about it right now, but maybe we do want to talk about it at some point, you know. So, so it's really insightful. I've had in previous um, experiences, you know, people use these words. They go, wow, I've known you for five years or however long. 
I never knew that about you. Or I didn't realize why you took this approach. But now I do. So that's it. That is glue for me. The, you know, the, the glue of the team emerges from that deeper insight, understanding, appreciation. That's the other key word here. Greater, even greater appreciation of one another. All of that is glue that, that bonds uh, the team into greater cohesion. And as a consequence of greater trust, cohesion, their performance level just rockets. Mm. And yeah, just thinking about obviously the the outcomes that teams are looking to achieve is one thing, but having that time together, like you've just said there, there's people you might have worked with for, for decades even, but until you have the opportunity to have these conversations, there might be really essential things that you don't know. I mean, there's almost like a whole load of value just in that, just getting to know each other on, on, on a, you know, a working preferences social you know all different types of levels so having the environment to have that conversation is, is a whole lot of value in itself yeah i would say there's one thing that sticks out for me um with having done a lot of these things over the years is that um some teams and some team leaders kind of think well if we have this two-day session that's it done tick the box everything's hunky-dory but the nature of the session is, as I say, the team problem solving and deciding for themselves, particularly deciding about what actions they want to take next. So one of the things that emerges is, as I say, greater appreciation, understanding of each other, but also commitment to want to go further, you know, keep keep that those plates spinning. So you don't you don't need the facilitator anymore. You know, once you get going when the I'll mix my metaphors for a minute. If once the train's <laughs> gone out of the station, hopefully uh, you've cr they've created sufficient glue for them to continue with uh, the conversations, etc. There's another factor which I think we just have to absolutely recognise. At work, typically we are really maxed out. There's just so many tasks to be getting on with. You know, don't know about you, but just my email list is massive. So. You know, this is, is this is a moment in time. We we that we the average um, working day doesn't allow us to sort of delve and have conversations of this nature. Typically, you know, on a day to day basis. So this is just like a moment in time, which really makes a difference. Is catalyst for the team to sort of create greater bonds of unity, commitment, desire, and and you know, you know, operational effectiveness. Ultimately, I suppose. Mm. And that was one of the interesting things, actually, that came about the, the session that we had was that speaking to people after it was about how rare it is to actually have those moments. And maybe until you have those moments, you don't quite realise how rare they are. Well, it's, it's true. I mean, I think, you know, plain and simple, we're all busy. We've got stuff to do. There are loads of tasks to get done, you know, and we've got objectives and initiatives and things to get done. So. Um, I do. Th I do also believe at a personal level, though, that once you get these things going, the experience translates into the day to day, how we operate one another, because we have a better understanding. So, you know, I um, I, I realize when Joe's under stress, he's most likely to snap at me or or whatever you know i might have known that before but I, I have a better understanding why that is perhaps or you know i know that i can have a laugh with joe about x y and z and that's all okay you know so so you know it's all this stuff around 
the relationships, having better understanding, uh, feeling trust and, and, and you know, understanding that everybody's got everybody's backs, uh, that starts to seep into the day to day because we've done a bit of digging, you know, in a, in a sort of a, I don't want to call it a controlled environment because it makes it sound like a chemistry experiment, but <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's sort of in a safe way, I think. Yeah, is, in a safe way. Probably so how much, we experienced it. Yeah. It's a much better way of describing it. Thank you, Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just realized, Natasha, when I ask you questions, Joe is here. So I feel like that no pressure obviously with the answers. It's like having your teacher in the room, I suppose, or something like that after <laughs> a class. But I, I'm interested, obviously, now it's been a little while since you experienced the session. How have you found that transition into, you know, from the, the theory and, and the discussions that you had into the day to day? Yeah, I think Joe's Joe's aim and and our intention kind of all came together really well because I I felt I feel really grateful to have had a team that was committed to those days that we had together, committed to that time. Um, to being there and to being present because like Joe was saying you know being busy and having so much to do and also spending that time in the room knowing those emails are piling up and those tasks aren't getting done it can be um, if you choose for it to be it can be a stressful thing in the back of your mind and I was really grateful that we all just came into the room and just accepted those things will wait because this is an important investment of our time, um, especially for long term development, for, you know, for our team generally. Um, and thinking about that as, you know, it's a commitment at that particular time with that time investment. But as Joe was saying, it's also that like longer term commitment. You know, Joe's not going to be in the room every time we have a conversation. So those conversations need to happen in the same way with that same psychological safety with the same outcomes in mind and with continuing to build that trust and as a team having committed to do that since in our in those interactions since those two days I've definitely noticed that that is the case and having that willingness to continue that approach as a team um, to continue with that commitment long term has been I would say really important for us and really powerful so having the commitment to be focused to be present in those two days for that long-term development and long-term positive change has has made a massive difference. Can I just interject there uh, thanks for describing like that Natasha one of the things I've noticed as well and I know that you guys have actually done some work after mm -hmm. you had the team session so um, as an example one of the things I've noticed is the depth and the quality of the conversations definitely goes up or down if we're talking about depth but you know what I mean it's, it's <laughs> this of a higher quality in nature mm -hmm. because people are more willing to explore things and the other thing is Translating it into nuts and bolts, operational stuff. One of the things, and I think you guys did this as well, is um, coming back to the strategy and then figuring out, okay, one of the uh, tangible, let's call it a product in inverted commas that comes out of the team session is a very clear articulation of this is what we care about. 
here here are our strengths here's the things that we want to focus on here's how we would like to work together and that sort of whole conversation articulation when you then translate it in something like let's have another look at our strategy and what are the, what are the key objectives over the next 18 months to progress our overall three to five year strategy that follow-up stuff becomes much more concrete much higher quality the output is better and by the way for those people who are very say let's say for one of a description more task focused and less feeling focused they love it because they can see very tangible outputs um and that's what i've noticed with with teams as well i don't know natasha if if that was your experience as well yeah absolutely there's definitely that kind of there were definitely those moments when we're we're looking and thinking about bigger picture stuff and more strategic things and it can be easy sometimes to 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 fall back into okay but day-to-day stuff and and that's not what you want to be talking about at that time but building the right atmosphere allows you to to challenge that thinking and go right no let's let's stay focused on this because once we get through this then we can talk about those nuts and bolts and it's going to make those nuts and bolts so much more effective um and that is then what translates into the difference between your team doing well as a team versus your team doing exceptionally and there's a big difference between that before and after Funny enough, there's one other thing I'd like to say about this in terms of this notion of um, high, high or higher performing teams. Um, it may be the case that you don't notice it straight away, but in the bigger picture, and I'm just writing an article on it right now, in a downturn or a recession, teams who have really got their act together handle economic downturns far, far better, make better collective decisions about the business and about how they're going to operate and better than 60 percent of the time i don't know what the actual figure is but they usually come out of the the downturn so when the upswing comes they're ahead of the curve and they're definitely ahead of their competitors just because they've got their act together you know and and this process helps all of that so you know in in um, very, very tangible terms, that's a consequence of high performing. You you get ahead of the curve, you're able to be competitors in your market, et cetera, et cetera, and you're you're better able to weather when things aren't aren't, you know, economically or in your sector, or whatever, not working as 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 you'd like them to be. There's and the final thing is around organizational agility. High performing teams have a higher degree of organizational agility because of the way they talk to each other so that's that's all the outputs all the if you like the benefits or values of bothering to do something like this Mm. and that's interesting as well because for instance if you have a team that you might already see as high performing what is that is there still i mean what could you suggest that people might look for in order to know that there is uh, the purpose of doing a high performing teams workshop or even, you know, like in, in a team in general, even if you're not sure where they're at, what are some of the signs that people and, and the team would benefit from these sessions? 
In my experience, very often, I mean, unless it's glaringly in your face, like we're not meeting our KPIs or our goals or our, you know, the, the targets and measures that we've set, very often it's just an intuitive thing. It's kind of a, like a, hmm, I wonder if things could be better kind of thing. <laughs> but actually, when you when you when you kind of get into it, you realise that obviously they they can be. Um, and but but what's really interesting is um being very specific about it so you know being really clear about what's peculiar about high performing teams which we may or may not meet is in terms of characteristics or uh, you know the the this very specific and peculiar definition of high performing teams which is made up of parts you know um, how do we measure up against that? How do we intuitively believe we measure up against that? So that all that exploration uh, is all part of the story. So very often it's just you may not do, in my experience, you may not um, you know, dive into that pool straight away of let's have a, a team development initiative or whatever or, or, or around high performance. The origin maybe is a slower burn. It's like, uh, hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not as brilliant as it could be, you know. I like one of my questions that I love to ask people, and I know you and I have spoken about this before, is I, I just put a statement up and saying, you know, are you a team of stars or a star team? And just that question alone generates some nice conversations, you know, about okay, define star, you know, or or uh, you know, how does that all look like? And people bring their own perspectives. So so yeah, it could be a slow burn or it could be it's really not working. We've got to, you know, this <laughs> this team is really dysfunctional, We've really got to do something about it. Um, so so I think the, the you know, the entry point to that can be varied. Mm. And I mean, going back to what you just said there about a team of stars or a star team, I find that quite exciting because I suppose to some extent, unless you it's very unlikely that, you know, the, the potential that you could get to because it's almost something that you can't conceptualize there's so many different people there's so many different you know, ways in which a team could succeed and and you know, so many different fantastic things that can be achieved just by asking that question it kind of gets your mind working towards well actually how great could we be yeah I've, what, again another thing that you know that you notice in these kind of sessions and and i quite like metaphors or analogies and and the the world of sports really helps doesn't it because people mm. kind of know what you're talking about so whether they're talking about a particular sports team or formula one or whatever i usually find formula one is a really good analogy because you know you've got to be good so you've got to be a have stars in a formula one team just to be on the grid and and do all the races mm. but a star team is one that wins a lot of races over the seasons and wins the championship you know and that's the difference consistency very high performance all of the time and if it just use formula one just one more time as the example it illustrates my point about the you know, that hackneyed saying about the sum of the parts is greater than you know mm. individual input you you know the the interestingly enough the race is only partly won by the driver and the pit crew on the day the race is actually won back at engineering at base at home base and all the everybody that contributed to making that a 
star team for this season. The challenge is, can you do it for the next 20 seasons? But, you know, that, that's, you know the, the sporting analogy usually helps because people get it fairly quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the Formula One one because, as you say, like a lot of the time it could appear, like you just said, that the race is, is it and the person in the car, they're the person that you see as the, the one achieving everything. Whereas you're right, if, if they had a 30-second pit stop because the pit crew wasn't performing right or the race engineer wasn't feeding the right information and, like you say, the car in the first place, if it had three wheels, that's a problem. Um, so it's, uh, I'd, I'd love the, the 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 image of a three-wheeled racing car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, someone's got maybe. Look, maybe that's a new innovation that we have just oh, helped yeah. bring into. You know, I know they exist into the world. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not in Formula One terms. Um, of course, if you are listening to this and you are incredibly interested in learning even more about high-performing teams. There is a whole load of content coming up, um, obviously this podcast, uh, various videos and blogs, um, but also come to our website. There's ways in which you can speak to us and learn more about how your teams could benefit from a high-performing teams session. Um, As we come to an end, I want to thank you, Joe, for coming on. Uh, It's been incredibly interesting and great to learn more. Yeah, it was great great to have the conversation. I think more importantly, somebody that's... uh, been there felt it and heard it and lived it can you know saying about what it was like for her and tasha was uh, far more important than me waffling on about the subject (laughs) (laughs) we most certainly have at least equal importance joe i would say different perspectives always good (laughs) (laughs) well and of course thank you very much natasha for that perspective very helpful thank you it's been good to be here thanks thanks for a good podcast guys yeah, it's been fun. And I always like to end with, well, well, we always like to end with a when to expect the next one. But as we uh, seem very bad at that at the moment, I will say that there will be a next one when it comes is a slight unknown. Um, but thank you again for listening. And uh, we look forward to you joining us next time.